Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. Oh, Dr. Redmond. And, well, we did it! Yeah! We, we made it to the end of Criminal Minds. We covered the entire show from beginning to end. This really happened. And I gotta say, it's kind of a, a mixed thing for me. Because yeah. as, as yeah. mad as I get at Criminal Minds, you know, it's it's going to be weird to not be talking about Criminal Minds twice a week, every week for hours on end. Yeah, I, that part of it, I, I, I guess I can. I don't have quite. Yes, we have a fraught relationship with this show. I am glad that I will probably never have to particularly watch this whole thing through and through again from yeah. beginning to end although you never know no, um don't. and so <laughs> i i'm not going to say never isn't the line never say never that's true um uh, and uh it's um and remember we did both spinoffs yeah one good, and on, one honestly bad. if anybody ever comes up with a subtitled version of the korean criminal minds we're definitely going to be watching that too Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the Korean one is out there. And yeah, it's out there that somewhere. That would be fascinating. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, because you wonder whether they're going to make major changes or what they're going to do to it, because often when they try and take American shows and move them into Britain, they have to make changes, serious changes, and they usually don't work. So um, Yeah, frequently. Frequently. Um but anyway, we got to the end. We got to these last two uh, episodes. It's, what can I say? I won't say that it has been, uh, that it ended up on a high note by any stretch of the imagination. I don't yeah. feel, I don't feel, and I think that that is the big thing about this, is that when I think about the end of Babylon 5. Yeah. And every time I watch that five years over again, I am still in freaking tears. It doesn't. It's a powerful matter. ending. No, it's a powerful it's ending. Powerful. Yeah, right? it really is. Um, this isn't even a complicated ending. Like, it's not like watching the end of The Sopranos where you hated it or you loved it, right? Most people hated uh, it. Yeah, I, I didn't particularly like it. No, no, Tony's got to die. He does die, but I mean, it's open for debate. That's well, the problem. Yeah, it's pro yeah, that's the problem, right? I mean, he has to die. Yeah. I say for the logic you know, of that show to make sense, the end. Uh, uh, yeah, the episode, the last episode, only makes sense if Tony dies at the end. But they didn't put it on screen, so yeah, you got to play the screen, right? And yeah. I, you know, because we all know. That Edie is going to go off to Los Angeles and try and, and, <laughs> and try and correct the police force. There we go. That that was after going through a whole bunch of other weird shows, like the one where she's the nurse with the drug addiction. Nurse Jackie, yeah. Jackie, like friends of mine, love that show. Anyway, this is not about the Sopranos, it. but that's almost more interesting. Well, no, but I mean, you, it's it's not crazy show. because the Sopranos is a perfect example of how hard it is to end a popular TV show. It really is. Like it's not as off topic as you would suggest, simply because as you might think, because it's a challenge to figure out what the right ending for a long running popular TV show is. I mean, there was a lot more pressure, obviously, on Sopranos, 
uh, than there is on Criminal Minds because people think of The Sopranos as the absolute peak of the beginning of the golden age of television. You know, the the golden age of cable television, which is what we're all living through right now. And I just listened yesterday, I think, to an argument that it was really Babylon 5. That started that? That that mark. Yeah. Yeah. And they did. Um, And it would have been, it would have worked perfectly. Like that kind of novelized. Yeah. Theory, well, you know? I mean, the the show that invented prestige television is Wise Guy, but we're, that's yeah. why we're doing a whole podcast about Wise Guy. Uh, but Babylon 5, yeah, it got there right before. Well, the thing is, um, it was a much more serialized uh, version of Deep Space Nine. It actually came out before Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And there is a degree to which, um, you know, Deep Space Nine was a ripoff of Babylon 5, but that's a whole conversation that you don't want to get uh, uh jay michael straczynski started about because he gets pretty annoyed when people rip him off well, and it happens a lot yeah uh, um, he had this comic book series called rising stars which is actually a very good series uh, i'm not going to get into the whole thing because you uh uh because you know you don't need to know about it for the story i'm about to tell but basically what happened was the uh the show was about a world without superheroes that suddenly in the present day superheroes start happening what are like there's all these people getting powers at once how does the world react to it blah 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 blah. and where is this all coming from ron howard optioned it to turn into a tv show and it would have worked fine and then when people found out that it was going to be happening essentially the same show got made and that show is heroes the terrible nbc uh drama about superheroes it was just garbage and he's still pretty pissed about that because it was essentially the same show completely ripped off of him. So yeah, J. Michael Straczynski uh, has some choice words about Deep Space Nine to offer. Well, yeah, and it, and it is it is definitely because it has to be set in, in the Star Trek universe. Yeah, exactly. It is, it, is, it is not as good a show. Yeah, because it is bound up. I mean, yeah. I mean, Deep Space Nine is the best Star Trek show, but because mm-hmm. it's bound up in that continuity, it can't go off and do its completely own thing the way Babylon 5 does, which is yeah. what makes Babylon 5 overall the better show. Even though I just want to make it clear, I love Deep Space Nine. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, but, I've, you know, it's not Deep Space Nine. It's not uh, it's not Babylon ba- 5. Nothing is Babylon 5 um and this this podcast or this Actually, it's on YouTube. I think it's it's someone who does a lot of talking about sci-fi, sci-fi. And particularly yeah. Babylon Five, which he adores. I would. Hope. Um, and it's it's it was a discussion over whether or not to reboot it. Oh. Yeah, and as he said, whether there would be enough interest to reboot it, because of course, us hardcore B five fans. Don't want um, that at well, all. Well, I don't know. Like, he was making some pretty good arguments about a reboot of B5, and partly that you can't really show B5 anymore on because it hasn't been remastered. It hasn't been, they haven't kept up, like, the, that kind of The tech of stuff. Yeah, the special effects. It. They haven't redone the special effects the way Star Trek went and redid all of their special effects. Their early stuff, and yeah. it just hasn't been because there's as i said we're the hardcore b5 fans now he does and then he said and besides he said isn't you know isn't it the show 
that you really have to introduce it to new people. And it would be better if it was on like a Netflix. As he pointed out, it's hard to find. That's what I keep saying. I mean, I have two copies of it. Yeah. Right. And, you know, heaven forbid my my four, the last one on season four on on the really good copy, of course, has its has a scratch because I've bought them all and some of them have been bought secondhand. Of course. <clears throat> and um, I don't know, somebody. Yeah, like it could, that tech could be a problem where it's not convenient for you to watch anywhere. I understand, compl- I understand your misgivings completely. So I'm going, I'm going, I, he made, he made a relatively compelling argument for maybe. Because, maybe. <laughs> because it's a real hard thing. How, how, what are you going to do if you do redo it? shooting it and i think straczynski would do that um now mind you he makes an argument that that the show should focus on ivanova you know know available no no for season like season five when she takes over anyway never mind right i see what you're saying yeah never mind people didn't come here to listen to us talk. no but we're trying to come up with any excuse not to not be talking about criminal minds anymore because it is a no we do have a complicated relationship with criminal minds and when we finish this episode we're done actually talking about episodes of criminal minds i mean we still have our what does this show mean episode to do so that should be a blast but fundamentally like we're done talking about criminal minds and it's weird and it's okay that it's weird it's okay to have mixed feelings about this yeah and i think that what we'll end up doing is if we're moving into wise guy and that will be our weekly that we will every now and then revisit the odd thing because as i'm going through because as i'm going through the episodes yeah i'm going there are some issues we could actually talk about again Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure, well, as as I always say, as we prep the book, uh, yeah. we're going to go in-depth into a bunch of these episodes. So that should be fun. Uh, let's do it. The first episode is called Face... No, they already did the episode Face Off. What's this one no. called? No, no, no. Oh, this, this is Face Off. the episode called Face Off, and then the last episode... It's so satisfying that, you know, I was always calling him the Face Off Killer, because yeah. that makes so much more sense than the Chameleon. Because he is not that good at disguising himself. Uh, and to, uh, I gotta say, I was just, I was very happy for them to actually just call it face off. Because I know it has a double meaning, blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. All right. Description. Go. When one, oh, excuse me. With one year passing since Rossi's near-death experience, the BAU travels to Reno, Nevada to follow a lead on Everett Lynch, the chameleon. And figure out his new motivations. First off. <laughs> However, they are forced to contend with Lynch's mother, who has an agenda of her own that leads to a shocking outcome. Okay, so. Here we go. Uh, oh my god, this is not a good episode of television. <laughs> so, I mean, remember how I was, uh, remember how I was talking about how like absurd it is that David Rossi who theoretically has been like trying to get Grace to flip on her dad for eight months when this season starts has managed to learn nothing about her like her life at all and they only find out details about no her life oh yeah her life they haven't done any research into her at all right 
And so, like, they're find out, oh, she went to this prep school that her mother, her grandmother sent her to. And she was dating her classmate, blah, blah, blah. Like, all of that is comes completely out of the blue to them. Because he hasn't done his job at all and has not done any basic investigation into her life. Right? Uh, even though you'd think that would be the first thing you would do. In this episode, we're like, they, they find him with no difficulty whatsoever. Because apparently it's just common knowledge where he spent his whole life and he knows a whole bunch of people in Reno and like they just never checked on that before. <laughs> like he had disappeared, like he had disappeared. Apparently finding him was your number one priority for eight months before he broke out, uh, broke his daughter out of jail and then murdered her, right? And yet, like, only just now are you bothering to check out Reno, Nevada, where he grew up? Now, and I will say something here. This this proves that Rossi is seriously suffering from PTSD. Because oh, he can't do his job. Oh, no, absolutely. But maybe some of the rest of the team could have done the job? You would think, but they were too busy, I guess. They were too busy with their own stuff. I know, I know. No, it's just weird because they want it to be, and this is a problem with the show, right? They want it to be meaningful that he goes down to the bunker, right? That he finally goes down to the bunker and, like, to focus his mind, he wants to be like in the old days. And imagine how, you know, we have meaningful that could have been if we had ever seen that bunker before on the show, even once. Yeah, well, <clears throat> yes, it would have. First of all, they make it kind of look like the uh, bunker from Manhunter. That's true. And I mean, okay. technically speaking, it is the bunker from that. It is the same set from that one episode where she was she and um, uh, Kirsten, Kirsten were pitching a spinoff about young Rossi and uh, young Gideon. Uh-huh. Right. And so, yes, it is the same set from that. But the thing is, that episode was so long ago and we never had a, another flashback to Ben Savage as young Jason Gideon. Right. So it doesn't have any kind of impact on us when he goes back down there because it's not it's, a set we've seen a bunch. OK. What I would say is the only the only impact it had was for me was well yes it went back but the only impact was oh that's the that's the bunker and i said i think that in the first time first oh, probably, round yeah. of this um was the it looked like the bunker sort of from manhunter yeah and the other thing but the other thing is is i i would say excuse me but why in god's name do you think that room is still there I know, as if it hasn't been turned into something else in the past 30 years. <laughs> like, once you guys got your fancy office, did they just leave an empty room three yeah. stories down? In, Guess what? In, during, yeah. during the time of cutbacks and problematic issues, <laughs> yeah, yep. no, that building, that room is no longer There's there no as way a on shrine. Earth. Yeah, there's, there's no way, no on, way earth. on earth they so. left that as a shrine to the origins of the BSU. You know, yeah. <laughs> there's just no way. No, you're absolutely right. I you mean, know, so I'm guess I, I'm going. It's, it's ludicrous. I mean, it was it, it was even ludicrous 
this idea you remind him of something in his own father oh uh, no like yeah and the like idea the that, that you know phantom gideon that, comes up with is so silly and so rossi then goes oh well maybe we should look back on you know where he lived in the past with his father yeah and i'm like well shouldn't you have done that anyway <laughs> <laughs> what this is this is this is a long time coming honey yeah. What have like, you been it, doing the last eight months? I know. Well, again, it's just like going back to the second season. It's like, how have you been looking for Frank all this time? Because you told yeah. us you've been looking for Frank all this time, and I've seen no evidence of that. So why are you surprised when Grace showed up? Exactly right. Like, I mean, that was that was that was my line. Why are you so surprised when Grace shows up? Yeah. In New York, and then you think that you're just having a hallucination. Yeah. Well, no, in not in New York, in um in uh in washington dc oh well in washington yeah look, don't, no don't they know. end the show the episode ends in new york because that's where his mother's body is and that's where he's taken dakota yeah. fanning but yeah that's why you're thinking of new york all right uh so yes it's it's but, so ridiculous like the idea that he would have you know internalized that uh that he's turned david rossi into a surrogate for his father like it's come so completely out of left field right but when we meet okay and when we meet yeah. the man who was his father yes then i'm going and what does that say about david rossi i know right did, did any of you actually think this through when you see the horrible man yeah this that monster was, that was his actual that was father lynch's father yeah that's and certainly worth thinking about so he saw that in david rossi apparently the same so violence yeah the same unrestrained oh, violence you guys didn't know what you were writing one more <laughs> time did you? no no i don't think they did well it's funny because you can say well um and it's it's such a weird tack on because again he doesn't need a reason to not kill david rossi because, again, he didn't have time to do his whole ritual if he even wanted to do a ritual to a man. Like, you don't need to come up with this whole reason that he didn't kill David Rossi. But that's what the whole last two episodes of the show are obsessed with. This idea that, oh, well, he really wanted to find his father and he has turned David Rossi into this father figure and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like anything we've learned about Lynch so far. You know, it really doesn't. And they've, I mean, to be fair, they haven't told us a lot about Lynch because the character is not actually that as deep a character as the show seems to think he is. There's not actually that much going on with the guy, you know? Yeah, Like, I, there uh... really isn't. And it, so it puzzles me to watch this where I'm like, okay, so now we're all getting into his head and really he was obsessed with this time. This His father tried to kill him and... That's why he killed his daughter. And I'm like, really? It really did seem to be coming out of left field. Not only that. I mean, the the only thing that I can say is that Sharon Lawrence was wonderful. She's always wonderful. About this, this episode, yeah. and when she shoots when she shoots this man, yeah. I go, yeah, you can yeah, just no, that's see the right that thing one. to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you can just see this. But at the same time, when you're watching the episode, you're like, wait a minute. So your theory is she's going to get sprung from jail by her lawyer. She's going to run to the, uh, she's going to try to murder her son because he killed Grace, right? 
and what we're going to, uh, you're going to be there so you can murder him, right? And yet they don't follow her. <laughs> How complicated would it be to tail this woman? From the timeline of the show, she literally gets out of jail, hops on a plane, goes straight to where she, I mean, she already knows where uh, Lynch's father lives, yeah. right? Uh, right. So drives She's straight there, shoots him, drives away. And it's like, and then she drives straight to where he's hiding because she's figured that out too. Okay. Now here's, here's the interesting thing. Why did she just follow him? Now you see, that would mean that the uh, BAU, which we find out in the last episode has a lot more people in it than we knew, um, that they could have. You know, well, no, I mean, every episode. Now, wait a sec. Wait now, a I'm sec. just going to say, every episode, you do see, like, a crowd of people in that office. So, a yeah. lot of people work at the BAU. Yeah. But anyway, continue. Here, never mind. Never mind. My whole point is, is that to follow her, they would have had to call in other people. Oh. Because she knows all of them. And yeah. they would have had to have, have gotten different cars. And if she's getting on a, hopping on a plane... Right, then they have to have someone that she doesn't recognize hop on the plane. <laughs> no, you don't. You just have people, you know where the plane's going. Yes, You have just have people at the place where the plane is going to land. Yeah. It's not like she was able to rent a, like, fly a plane herself. No, she hopped on a commercial plane to go to Nevada. So, yeah, there's no reason they couldn't have followed her. Yeah, I know. I, I'm and, Oh, my God, the reveal that he had been trapped, like, that every single place he killed a woman... He only went to that city to look for his father, which he's been doing his entire life. Right, yeah. Come on. No, it's just it it beggars belief is what it does. It, and I and I still don't get it. Like this is ridiculous. There are literally two members of the show's cast who used to be in the special forces. Because in many ways, you know, uh, Luke and Matt are in completely interchangeable. Yes. Uh, it's why we very much don't need Matt on the show, except to be, you know, just a completely positive modeling of masculinity. Uh, but anyway, you've got two different guys who are in the special forces. And yet they're like, you know who should be holding a sniper rifle? JJ. <laughs> yeah, you are not, you are not trained for this, JJ. That has to be. The you were... stupidest part of, of this, this whole, whole episode. episode is watching JJ. Why is JJ a holding a sniper rifle? <laughs> you are not qualified with that weapon. <laughs> it's one of those things you look at it, you're so baffled. Like, what did they think they were doing here? I don't what what know. was there? Yeah, and it's like, I honestly have no idea what they thought they were doing having JJ wielding a sniper rifle. Just like. You've got actual trained special forces guys on your team who could be doing, who should be, I was about to, who could be, who should be doing this, who there's no reason why they're not the ones doing this. And yet JJ's there with the rifle. Yeah, and, and that's the point. It, it just, it's jarring for no yeah. reason. Yeah. It pulls that's... you out of the episode in the, in the moment where you have, to, where you're supposed to be in like completely 100% focused on the father-son, you know, uh, Lynch and David Rossi dynamic, you keep cutting away to JJ, and all you can think is, 
why has JJ got this rifle? Yeah, no, and, and it is, it is, it, they do these stupid little things for whatever reason I can't imagine. This one I can't even fathom a read a reason for. No, that pulls you out of the episode. Like you can't ever get stuck into this episode. No. It, it's like even, even bringing in the other woman and daughter. Yeah, that comes so fast, completely out of nowhere. And it just seems to me that that, too, is not necessary. Not particularly. I mean, the the problem is, the only reason that character is in the episode, that this woman he kills and her daughter, is that they, as the writers, can't think of a reason to give, like, they want him and David Rossi to have a face-to-face scene in this episode. And the only way they can think to get there that it doesn't end with David Rossi shooting him is, oh, well, he's got a hostage who will die if David Rossi, you know, doesn't, uh, if David Rossi doesn't let him leave. You know, and I'm like, that's not much of an excuse. Especially because, you know, yeah, this house is in the middle of nowhere, but if he's dead and doesn't come back... She can just, you know, walk to the next house and call an ambulance to get her insulin. You know? Like, it's not that complicated. Well, plus the house must have more than one phone. Well, no, he's cut all the phone lines and he's let... I mean, what he's done is he's cut all the phone lines and he's taken her cell phone. So, like, she can't... uh, Well, I know he's taken her cell phone, but... Yeah, but no, he's... I'm sure he's also cut all... Like, I'm sure he's... I mean, we don't see it, but I'm sure he thought to cut all the cell phones. Well, plus, have they figured out where he's living? Yeah, but they, no, they haven't yet. No, no, they figure out where he's living in the next scene. When she's like, um, oh, okay, well, he used to live there, and they were really close with this family, and the only member of that family left is Woman X. And so then they go to Woman X's house, and that's where he is. And Woman Woman X doesn't recognize him as the kid that she knew when she was growing up or maybe she does and she just hasn't heard that he's a serial killer it's actually hard to tell also i still don't know why there's like a cremation oven in that house (laughs) how did he get that in there how did he get a cremation oven into this house did he order it online like what is what is going on with yeah we're still talking we're still talking about that. Yeah, it's just so bizarre. It's weird, right? Yeah. Well, as I think, I think what I said was, well, maybe he said he was going to be making pottery down in the. Basement. Yes, that was your excuse. That I was forgot. my excuse last time. You know? <laughs> decided and, and, it's actually uh, a kiln. Know. You see, it's actually yeah. a kiln, not a not a cremation, not a crematory oven. Yeah. Yeah. Because so it is a smaller than the normal ones. Like it's a. Well, a, it's know. certainly coffin length. Because I've got to say, I've been in a bunch of pottery shops, and uh, (laughs) cremation ovens are generally not six feet long and shaped like a coffin. They tend to be a traditional oven shape. (laughs) They actually tend to be pretty tall. No, They have the big doors you open up, and you layer in all the pots, and then you close the doors, and you heat it. Whereas this one, you could could, uh, kiln very few pots in this thing, is what I'll say about this thing. Well, maybe maybe what's her face didn't know about. Yes, exactly. She doesn't know anything about pottery, so she just bought him the thing he wanted. Yeah, yeah. it is weird that she doesn't recognize him, or that like, because again, what I always say is, you know, they caught John List. Like, 
24 hours after America's Most Wanted. Yeah. Because, you know, people knew him. And this woman, I don't understand. And more importantly, I don't understand what's going on with that, um, with that private investigator. Like, I, I don't, I don't get it at all. Right? Because he knew that Lynch was a serial killer. Because, like, the FBI are coming looking for him. He used to be a cop. Why is he not turning him over to the FBI for what must be a gigantic reward? Yes. Like, oh, Everett Lynch is going to pay me $50,000 to find his dad? Great. The FBI is going to give me $2 million to turn him in. Why doesn't he just turn him in? Yes, well, we've never figured out... Well, no, and it's because Everett Lynch needs his spare body. Yeah, I know. And you're right. There's, I know, you're right. I understand the plot reason it happens. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, everything boils down to, I, I'm almost at the point of going, oh, I don't really care. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's so hard to get invested because it is like, this entire episode is one contrivance or an after another to get to the episode they want to make, which is the last episode. And it's like, it's every part of it is so completely contrived and utterly unbelievable. And it's frustrating yeah. to watch. Yeah, everything is signaled ahead of time, including yeah. the tunnels. Oh, God, the tunnels. You know, I mean, it's all, so why weren't they watching the tunnels? I know. Why weren't they watching this whole area? Yeah, it's, it, 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 it beggars belief. It does. No, it absolutely it, does. It's very, very hard to suspend your belief. The only person you actually believe in this whole friggin' episode is Sharon Lawrence. Oh, God, yeah, she's wonderful. That's it. And then uh, she rushes in and they're like, wait a minute, she's going to kill the both of them. We got to charge the place. And I, I'm sure in my review I said what I always say. I'm like, do we really have, like, have they given us to reason a reason to care? If he kills, if she kills him and then kills herself, like, yeah, well, I think plus, they should be fine with that, right? Plus, neither Happy one ending. of them, neither one of them, as we find out in the next episode, have been profiled as suicidal in any way, shape, or form. And it turns out that they are. It's weird because they see the bag she threw out the window, and it had all of her baby stuff, and they're like, "She's planning to kill him and kill herself," right? Uh, because why else would she give away all of her, you know, precious childhood memory, blah, 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 of her son, blah, 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 blah. To which I no. respond, okay, but she, uh, it's weird because they don't profile that her suicidal and she's not because she caves immediately when he tells her to cave. Right? Yeah. So they were and actually right about her not being suicidal. Yeah. And not only that, I can give you a good reason why she threw all of those things away. She does, she's going to, her intention is to go and kill him. Yeah. And she does, she wants nothing around to ever remind her that she had this child. Exactly. That's so exactly what, why I would, would that make her, yeah. Why would that make her suicidal? Yeah. No, that doesn't make her suicidal. No, she's no, just, she's well, it's going to be, if she forgets the times when she was positive and happy and had potential in her life with this new child. If she, yeah. it's going to be easier to kill him if she's not thinking about that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that's a, you're right. That's a perfectly good reason to throw that away. Yeah. Uh, and, other than her being suicidal. Yeah. But anyway, they or, they make the order, uh, they charge the house and then everybody gets blown up. Well, and, again, and I, I, I still, I watched it carefully this time. I still don't know how eight people died. I know. 
They never got close enough to the house for eight people to die. Six people. It's um or the, six the eight the eight bodies was supposed to be him and Sharon Lawrence, and then the That's six right. uh, FBI agents. But yes, uh, they never get close enough. I know they're not that close to the house, and again, that's not how gas explosions work. Uh, you know, like that entire house would have to have been had time to fill with gas for that to happen, and that's like and he broke the pipe ha- and he set up the thing once, and he set off the bomb one second later. You know, yeah. so it's gonna, you know, I mean, the kiln is gonna go, but oh, it's gonna take gonna a while, go and it's and it, yeah, and it's gonna burn out of control, but it's not gonna blow up the whole house. No, because no. Sharon Lawrence would have smelled the gas. Oh yeah, no, everybody, gas, gas everybody has a would. distinct smell to it. Oh yeah, if and the whole house. Fun, and here's something you might not know, uh, the people listening. I mean, you know this. Uh, the reason gas has a distinct smell to it is they put it into the gas. Yeah. Um, they want to make it easier to detect leaks by being able to smell, like, right away you will smell that there's a leak. And then you'll be able to, when you're searching it down, smell closer and closer to where the leak is. A natural gas has no smell, but they put a smell in, the sulfur smell in, so you can tell when there's been a leak. So that's a fun fact about, uh, in the same way that... Uh, <laughs> Uh, don't drink, uh, the re- if you try to drink uh, antifreeze, it's the worst taste on earth. Uh, because, oh, sorry, this is in Canada. I don't know if this is this happens in America. <laughs> so many children were being killed by drinking antifreeze because it's incredibly sweet that they forced, the government forced them to start putting in uh, the most bitter tasting thing in the world so that the minute you tasted it and pets do it too. Cause again, it's very sweet. So they will just lap up spilled antifreeze and they put in all sorts of bitter stuff so that now if your tongue touches antifreeze, you'll go Gah! and not want to do it. The same thing works with gas. And as you say, if he had filled the whole house with gas already, which is what would have required to, uh, to blow, blow it like up that. the way. There's no conceivable way Sharon Lawrence wouldn't have noticed there and, was gas there. And and if anybody got close to the house, they would have smelled oh, it. Oh, smelled it right away. For because the amount of gas there would have had to been to do that explosion, you were yeah. completely right. There's no way they couldn't have known yeah. there was gas everywhere. So yeah. Yet another thing that's just iffy about this episode. And and besides, why why isn't when Rita's sitting there going you know, um, well, you know, we haven't, uh, I mean, his brain, what? Yeah. He'd left, he checked out, he'd left his brain at home okay. in this episode? Seems that way, yeah. Yeah, 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 it seems this way. Well, why That's isn't he arguing? He's the genius here. Yeah, yeah, he's the genius. And so, no, they, they're trying to get around that before they even go in. I would argue he would have been bringing stuff up. And, and no, they get around that by having him being blown back by the, by the blast. So it's just a cheat. Um, Oh, absolutely. No, it's absolutely a cheat. So he gets blown back by the blast. Sharon Lawrence is killed. Um, and of course the body of the, uh, the body of the detective, which again, I don't understand anything about that character. (laughs) He's fine working with a serial killer. I just, who is this guy? Yes, he's a shady detective. Guess what? Most cops are shady. That's just how cops are. But to, like, if you're that shady, turn him in for the cash. Just, I don't get you. It's very frustrating. But anyway, um, what really gets me, though, when I watch that scene, right, is so then we cut to read at home, 
figuring out he escaped and then falling over. And this is what we really harped on the first time we watched this, which is he got knocked back by an explosion and smashed his head on the ground. And he's not in the hospital. And they didn't take him to the hospital for a for an uh, MRI or a CAT scan. How? How on earth would they not do like there's just no way they wouldn't do that. There's no way they would have let him out if he was that badly hurt. Yeah. If he was You like, know, because okay, any time you let's... smack your head really hard, okay, you wait, should wait. get an MRI. Just a moment. Wait. You really I need to read and in the end the synopsis. Oh, please. Wait till you hear this one. It's like I can't wait. This is the final synopsis of the entire run of Criminal Minds. Okay, I'm ready. And I'm going, did this guy actually watch this episode? Oh no, really? All right, I can't wait. Listen, with Reed in the hospital from a brain injury. Nope. Caused by the BAU standoff with Lynch, the rest of the team continues their hunch hunt for lynch which leads to a violent and climactic final confrontation (laughs) meanwhile rossi contemplates retirement while garcia makes a life-changing decision that will alter the course of the bau's future forever (laughs) no reed was at home reed was at home for half the episode he doesn't get found into and brought into the episode until like after 15 minutes in and they, at the start of the episode, are not continuing their hunt for Lynch. They think he's dead. Yes. It's yeah, only when the DA yeah, ana- is, DNA yeah. analysis comes in. Comes back. Yeah. That is, yeah, that is a very bad synopsis. <laughs> I, I the final synopsis, and I'm going, so, th- so whoever writes these synopsis was as fed up or non-understanding or checked out on the previous episode or whatever right yeah now breed goes finally you know i mean i i'm still not anyway so then he goes on his journey of self-discovery journey of self-discovery if you wonder why we always call it that there's this cartoon show called the tick you should absolutely watch and we'll just leave it at that all right goes on his psychic journey of self-discovery and I know he's on Homeland, and I know he hates the show, but them not being able to get Mandy Patinkin back for the psychic journey of self-discovery really cripples this episode. Because there's no reason on Earth the Reaper should be his spirit guide. No. Like, there's no no conceivable reason. Why am I blanking the Reaper's real name? He's a famous 80s actor. This is yes, really bad. With the double last name. Yeah, with the double last name. Anyway, it's not important what his name is. We all know oh, who no. we're talking about. We're talking about the Reaper. She'll look it up while I'm talking. Okay. Um, the I think what's extra frustrating about it is not only is there no reason this character should be his guide. Like, it just, it doesn't make sense. But uh, they've already done this with the Reaper and Hotch. Okay. Like, it made perfect sense when he showed Hodge. up to be Hotch's guide. Yeah. 100%. Reed has no emotional connection to the Reaper. None whatsoever. Like, there is nothing, there is no reason for 
for the Reaper to be there to walk him through this. And I honestly, it feels like maybe they tried to get someone else and it didn't work out. And this guy was just happy to come back because he always, you know, the man, A, the man likes to work and B, he had a really good experience on the show. C. Thomas Howell. C. Thomas Howell. Thank you. Yes. C. Thomas Howell. Yeah. Hey, you know, uh, other big, big fan of C. Thomas Howell, other than the fact that he was the star of Soul Man. And if you want to just have a really bad day, look up the comedy Soul Man. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Oh, Lord. Um, you remember Soul Man. Anyway, you know, you can't pick them all. No, no, no absolutely. That's all. Jo- a job is a job. Whether, yeah. I mean, hey, it happened to Fisher Stevens, too. Yeah. A job oh, is a job. Oh, a job is a job. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, but seriously. Uh, but yeah. yeah no, there is no reason for it to be the Reaper. He has no, like... Whether it's actually the Reaper's ghost, or whether it's a psychic ver- vision of self-discovery and just his brain doing it, there's no reason for the Reaper to be there. No. These characters never met, you know? <laughs> they have no connection to one another in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it's like, a, uh, it's so maddening to me. And I know you can't just bring Aubrey Plaza back, because she was just on the show to wrap up their relationship. Right. And I know because he's a ghost, you want to bring back somebody who's dead. I get that. But it's like, well, maybe, but you see, Aubrey could have already been dead, you know, maybe. And you know who they should have brought back? Who? James Vanderbeek. Of course. Why isn't James Vanderbeek his spirit guide? Maybe James didn't want to do it. Maybe. But you know, you know I, like, that's what I, when, the first time we watched this, I didn't know who they should have done, but I knew it was wrong that C. Thomas Howell was there. But when I'm watching it this time, I'm like, why isn't James Vanderbeek here? That is the character who had the most transformational impact on Reed. Yeah, like, it's true. It's, it's true. And, um, who knows? Who knows? All I can say is, you know, if you can't, I, you're not going to get Mandy because Mandy bad no, no. <laughs> so badly. Ideally, you would want Mandy, but he hates the show. But where yeah. you would have wanted Mandy was in the last episode to talk to Gideon in the the bunker. Yeah, that's where you would have wanted Mandy to be back. Yeah, and, and but and he hates the show, so they got Ben Savage back instead. Yeah, and what I would say is that in this episode, and you're right, I hadn't even shot, but James Vanderbeek. Why not? I mean, who knows? If they even thought of him, I don't know whether they just brought C. Thomas Howell back. I think because they knew they could get him. As, yeah. yeah, and but from my perspective, it was even a, a slap, as far as I'm concerned, at Hotch. Oh yeah, to Thomas Gibson because they're trying to take away. A first off, you know, you could get Hotch back for this too, although he again, yeah. he's not dead. Uh, but he doesn't have to be dead. It's a psychic journey of self-discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, or maybe this is a ghost. The show is very, is maddeningly unclear on that subject. <laughs> uh, no, but it, maybe it is a ghost. Uh, but like, you could have got, but no, you're right. It's another slap at Hotch in the same way, right? They took, uh, they took wheels up from being his catchphrase to being the team's catchphrase. It's really meaningful to all of us. No, it's just a thing Hotch said. Jesus Christ. Um, now they're trying to take away, like, the best recurring villain they ever had. The Reaper is inextricably linked with Hotch. Yeah. And you're right. They're trying to strip that away from Hotch too and make it, oh no, he was really a nemesis for the whole team. 
No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Not in any way, shape, or form. And certainly not if you go back and look at the episodes and the impact that had on Reed. Oh, absolutely. Forget it. It, it barely yeah, and, affected Reed at all. Except it was nice to see C. Thomas Howell. Obviously, I'm ha- and, and I will make this clear. Obviously, I don't begrudge C. Thomas Howell a job, and I'm always happy to see t- see to see C. Tom. That's hard to say. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You, you, you kind of trapped me on that one, didn't you? <laughs> C. C. Bravo! Uh, no, it's hard to say. But anyway, C. It's always great to watch watch C. Thomas Howell in a part. I'm happy he got the job, but there's no reason. A. There's narratively no reason it should be there. Be kind of a shitty thing to do to Hotch. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just what this show is about at this point. Because, oh, getting that clip from the first season, from the last episode of season one, from uh, whatever the first part was called. Was the first part called Fisher King? Yes. Okay, so yeah, getting that clip from Fisher King was super nice. Getting to see everybody back, blah, 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 blah. And it was, it was very fun to do that. Like, I'm glad they did that, right? But at the same time... To then not you like to t- try and take this away from Hotch too, like it's not enough that the character uh, that the man got fired and the character is never mentioned by anyone, despite the unbelievably important role he played in their lives. To then try and steal the Reaper from him is just despicable. Well, so. So what else is new for Criminal Minds? You yeah, know, this this whole business. And okay, so they go and they get Lynch and it it, it ends in Lynch's death. Thank you. Um, and I'm going, <sighs> how much money did that cost? Not that much. It's a CGI plane. <laughs> okay. I, I, I well. No, no, they screen... didn't blow all their money they could have spent on another actor on the plane. Don't worry. <laughs> that wasn't that expensive. But, you know, it was just like, yeah, okay. Um. So the plane no, but it's like, and, and oh god, that dead. ridiculous scene, that ridiculous scene where they're like, there are secrets about the plane that none of you know. They're, meaning there's a bunch of guns that are hidden on the plane. I'm like, why wouldn't you tell them that? Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you keep that a secret? And um, what are the chances of that plane ever being, it doesn't go overseas. Yeah, and it's like, it's well, not what like are the, the, you have to smuggle guns places. You guys are all carrying guns. Are you telling me that when they designed this plane, they're like, yeah, but what if an unsub ever gets out to the airport and kidnaps us and the plane? What are we going to do then? Well, we better have a bunch of secret guns inside the plane. <laughs> like, what? Why no, would well, you have yeah, built it and this that's way? particularly problematic because they'll all be drunk. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> they all yeah, get drunk. Yeah, it's like, there's things you don't know about this plane. Well, we know about the wet bar, which is kind of unprofessional for you guys to have. Oh, God, I can't believe it's a more scandalous secret than that. But no, they had a bunch of guns hidden on the plane. Uh, it's it's weird, though. And then, I mean, you got the ridiculousness of Lynch getting across the entire country in less than 24 hours. He's in Reno, when he escapes through the tunnel, yet he got to her house, bef- like before anyone even knows he's not dead. How and though? He's got a nice suit. Yeah, he's got a nice suit. He's well dressed, and you can say, "Oh, well, I'm sure he hid money in a getaway kit somewhere." I'm sure, but he's also the most wanted man in America, and he can't fly. So, how did he get across the country? 
you literally can't drive it that in that amount of time. Maybe the woman whose house it was owned a plane. And that's true. And he like f- had a filed a flight fake flight yeah. plan or something. I mean, maybe that would be the only possible explanation is if Everett yeah. Lynch and we know he can fly. That's true. Like it's part of the episode's plot that he can, does know how to fly planes. But at the same time, like, sh- oh, she also had a plane. Oh, why God. not? With why every, not? Right. You know, with everything else. I mean, yeah, the time I, it's, it's the last episode and I'm going. Yeah. Like you got to just let I've it go. It, yeah. I just, I've had it with their dis. It didn't bring me in. It didn't the no. whole thing. No, and it then, doesn't carry you along at all. And then, and then we end up. No, it doesn't. You know. So David Rossi isn't going to retire. Are you out of your mind? Um, but anyway, After all okay. that David Rossi uh, sticking around. God okay. damn. And, but I did think JJ is definitely because Prentice is still going to keep her job. Yeah. Um, oh, she'll JJ go to. I'm, I'm sure she'll go to. Uh, New yes. Orleans. It's off to New Orleans. Maybe that's why they gave her the sniper rifle. To show that she was her own woman and strong and she would make that decision to go to New Orleans herself. That would be nice if okay. that's their intention. There's nothing <laughs> in the episode to suggest that that was well, their intention. Of not, but, but I if can, it was, I can make up. I'm, I can make oh no, up. Absolutely, you're allowed to make up this kind of stuff. 100%. <laughs> Because yeah, but I mean, all, if, if Emily's staying, I think there's no reason she and Will wouldn't move back to, to New, Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. No, like there's, there's no reason to think they wouldn't. No, because it would be a good life and family life. And, and by the way. Yes. Oh, my God. How terrible is Emily in the scene where the guy comes to tell her uh, yeah. she's not going to be the director of the FBI because she got, you know, six FBI agents killed. And she's a complete jerk about it oh, well. to the point where it's like, um, am I still the head of the BAU? Maybe you shouldn't be. If this is going to be your, the way you talk to your superiors after getting six people killed, no remorse, no contrition, nothing. Just like I'm the one who's ultimately responsible. Yeah. And how do you feel about that? And are you going to take this lesson that your uh this lesson in fallibility seriously and change your behavior. No, she's just a complete jerk to the guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like to a weird extent she's a jerk to the guy. And I'm like, you know this is your boss, right? Who talks to their boss that way? Okay, well let, let's let's think of the boss as the uh, government of California. <laughs> And, questioning uh, how she uh coming how in she and questioning her, how she does her job yes and how erica messer how the showrunner did her job yeah okay, okay maybe. I, oh i gotta tell you something really weird please go you probably haven't read yet all the links i sent up to you i have not read all the links i was going to do it after we did the show because i didn't want to uh okay get myself now, thinking about i those. read a few of them and one of them, well, most of them, it's, most of the stuff we already know, it's nothing. But this, this was a little piece of information I had never run across. Okay. And, okay, so Garcia, remember, and it's it's nice that she said thank you to the guys that put her in this job. Because oh, she was only supposed to be there for one episode. Oh, of um, course. But during that episode, appa- apparently once she was on... They 
actually had to attend. This is the staff, like the the cast and the staff of Criminal Minds, had to attend, would you believe, a sexual harassment seminar. What? Wait a sec. This is right at the beginning. And then Garcia, I mean, um, uh, what's her face? Kristen Vangsness. Vangsness and Shamar Moore started making these jokes. That's based on real life? This is real life. And apparently the writers and stuff and the people in the room thought it was really cute. And they decided to integrate that into the show. Oh, wow. They were at a sexual harassment seminar, which was... And they didn't okay, take it seriously, which and was that the became basis. the show's... But what this also says, and I has to be have been... Like, I didn't look at the date of that link, but right. I suspect it was written before the lawsuit became... I would imagine, yeah. Because they actually integrated that their sexual harassment seminar that they had to take that first year into the show when they did black queen that's amazing wow that yeah that blows my mind a little okay i i, I read it and i said say what yeah and by the way everett lynch's uh plan at the end here to uh ruin david rossi's life again they're imagining this connection between the two characters yeah that they never established in the show never had no they never had this relationship this cat and mouse like um this thing at all they'd never met until he stuck a nut until he tackled david rossi and stuck a knife in his face it's not like um it's not like frank and uh it's not like frank and mandy it's not like the reaper and aaron it's not like you know it's not like mr scratch and aaron where there is like, this integral back and forth. This constantly. interplay between the two of them that's like, that is meaningful for both characters. Yeah. They like, at the last minute, literally in like the last two episodes, try and create this connection to it so the end of the show will be more resonant, but it just doesn't play. Because they didn't do the work back when it counted. So they they reverse engineer a backstory and, you know, entire motivation for Everett Lynch so that he can have this back and forth with um Ross. with Joe. But well, it doesn't, with David Ross. It was but so it doesn't tight. play. No, yeah. it doesn't play at all. And Rossi is Oh, did you see? Okay, so let let's leave let's leave the episode. Let not okay. the episode exactly. Oh, one thing one the... thing I just want to share with everybody. I just found out on Twitter that David Rossi, that Joe Montaigne, uh, is named, uh, uh, got to name the character David Rossi himself. Uh-huh. And David Rossi, uh, was a detective in LA. I don't know how he knew him, but he did know him. And he was what, like the first detective on the scene of the OJ Simpson's, uh, I was about to say the OJ Simpson murder, as if I'm allowed to say he definitely did it. The Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman murder scene. So yeah, uh, that's who that's named after. I found out because he just died last week, and ah. they, and uh, Joe Montaigne did a like a little, you know, Elegy. all the best to his family thing. On yeah, that uh, but yeah. Well, yes, and um, okay, that was that was cute. What I was going to say, did you notice that when, and I hadn't noticed this the first time, yeah. but as I'm watching this the second time, that when they come in for the big party. Yeah. Supposedly Rossi's party. 
yeah. that that turns into, of course, the most important person in criminal minds, Garcia. Yeah. Has been um, Garcia. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But did you notice behind the table? There's this huge. There's this huge thing that says Rossi on it. I didn't. Yeah. Just look behind them. I went say what, and I went back and looked at it again, and sure enough, there's That's this so great big. I don't know whether it's the cover of one of his books. Or whether or what it's supposed to be, but it's just this big thing, right? That says Rossi, and I'm going, okay. We we always thought you were arrogant, <laughs> but so that's what you have over your. Um... That's that's what you have as a decoration <laughs> oh in God. your house, okay? Oh, David Rossi. Uh, anyway. But don't you understand? He just had like a tiny sprig of arrogance, just <laughs> yeah. a just a little bit of arrogance that he had, you know, been walking around with and. The tiny little thing, barely noticeable, the degree to which he's arrogant. And you'd then, never, you'd never guess that he was an arrogant man. No, and the party did not. And then all of those speeches and everything, they didn't. I think they probably were better the first time around. Yeah, this, when we were locked my... in like the actual emotion of the show ending. Now that we're, now that we're just watching the show critically, we're like. Oh, these are not great speeches. Well, these speeches aren't great. And this whole business of family um, and this whole business of and I'm going I'm, and all I can do is think about the whole show and saying, OK, uh, I guess you're going to live with this fantasy for the rest of your life. And it doesn't it's all right. That's fine. I'm more power to you, um, <laughs> but I'm going I can't buy a single one of these things. I no. just, I couldn't. You are all in this really terrible codependent relationship. Yeah. And, and it's a wonder that, that Garcia finally got out. Yeah. It you really know? is. And, and, um, you know, so you know that, that Luke and, and Eric will be, or Matt, Luke and They're Matt all, will be there. Yeah. Forever, and Luke is now going to date Garcia, and she's decided not to go to San Francisco, but to take a job closer to home. Exactly. Right? And, uh, well, we and what was the other thing? Um, yeah, and I mean, we talked about it Emma last time. Double, oh. double thing. She's gonna, because <laughs> she's gonna have a long distance relationship. Yeah, maybe just move to Denver. You'll be happier there. You'll be happier, honey. Like, you're not a happy person, Emily, and this is basically, one of the few shots you're going to get at it. Cause like Since... the, the happiest end part of this thing is literally that there is a chance Reed might go off and figure out who he is. Mm-hmm. Like, because he's only going to consult with them. He's going to be a full-time teacher. There's a chance Reed might actually get, you know, get out and get far enough away from these people in these relationships that he's yeah. going to be able to figure out who he is yeah. as a person and when not under the thumb of his mother or the government. Yes. Well, he has a decent girlfriend. Yep. And who's who's going to make him have fun. And um, his mother is slowly dying, as you could tell when yeah. she came to the hospital. Oh, yeah. Um you know that she's really she has that the whatever the drug did at the beginning has now yeah, you know it has now stopped and the progression is is beginning is, again yeah, has begun again yeah. yeah and so um yes that's the only one i mean well rossi and crystal will be fine oh i'm sure again they're both again 
very shallow people. You know, and Matt is going to Matt is now going to make lots of mon- money. Yeah, yeah. So you know, enough. He'll co-write stuff with uh, David, and it'll yeah. all go well for them. Yeah, nice. it'll go well because they have five children. So yeah. <laughs> Well, um, and the thing is, he's a very marketable FBI agent to go and get work, uh, like, when he decides to quit uh, being an FBI agent full-time. He's yeah. the kind of guy who they would put on TV as an FBI agent, you know, on news shows. Yeah. Oh, you know, he's yeah. the kind of guy He'd become who you would go to for a consultant. Oh, absolutely, a he would know for CNN. movies and television. <laughs> oh, no, and then movies and television. Absolutely, yeah. he would. Because, look, David Rossi had no trouble getting consultant work, and that, that work... He would make sure that work all went to Matt. He is essentially turning Matt into the new him. Yeah. Yeah. And we can all talk about how dark that is. <laughs> no, no. But we did that the first time, so we're not going to... No, I, 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 let, me, let me put it this way. I suspect that Matt's wife will make sure he doesn't turn into the new David Ross. Yes, that's true. You're right. And five kids? He'll... Yeah, exactly. He can't completely turn into David <laughs> no. Rossi after And all. he's got a grandmother in Korea now. I know. So, you know, it's because when you watch this episode, like it's the resolve of the face off killer is so anticlimactic. And I mean, again, it's just not he's not an interesting character. They never sold the stuff with him and Rossi. So he's like, he's not the character to wrap up the show on. He just isn't, you know, and that was it. And, And and but he's all they had. And that's a problem because you really needed something big to go out on. Well, like if you happened? wanted to end the show, you needed, oh yeah, there's the, been this killer in the background the whole run of the show and now it's all going to pay off. That's what you have to do for the end of the whole show. But then you need, you see, you need someone with a massive amount of imagination to, to right. kind of, to kind of put forth that and take it. And you have to understand that the only way that I can give this, and it is a very unsatisfactory ending. This last season is very unsatisfactory, except for the resolution of the odd character, right? Yeah. Those resolutions are nice. The resolution for Garcia is nice, and Eric is, and Luke is nice. Um, yeah. I think that the resolution for JJ and for Reed all work well. Um, yep. So, you know, that's fine. And, you know, know, like everything it's is- weird to be able to say that. I mean, and I guess that they really did nail a lot of the character stuff as the show was ending. Like yeah. They really did. And who would have thought they'd be able to say that? But they botched the plot stuff completely. Yeah. And what happens is, is as I said, that takes an overarching understanding of the show and just yeah. saying that because what you would have had to do is say, OK, you've got to bring kind of weird clips from the past, from past shows, and yep. someone would have had to have watched the whole thing from beginning to end. Yeah, and I almost nobody is there from beginning to end. Glenn Kershaw no. is, Erica Messer was, well, but I mean, that's the thing. It's like it, the entire show in the last season was be, being written by like new writers because you know no one but a new writer would want to be on a show that's about to get canceled. Right. But you, well, they have, but they've been doing that, but you see, they've been doing that for the last few years, right? They can't hang on to their writers. I would assume their writers go and get another job as soon as they possibly can, that they're getting the hell off this show. And we now are beginning to understand why. Um, And that's one of the things that there are, that when you listen to the, 
when I listen to the previous episodes that we've done and I'm going, yeah, you know, we have questions during those episodes. We sometimes tried to come up with solutions and now I'm going, you know, some of those solutions um, are a bit problematic. Um, now <laughs> that we, that, now that we know, know what was going on behind the scenes and, and, and we don't know who's under stress and who's not under stress. Yeah. But I do know that in this last season, it would have taken a massive amount of imagination if Bernero had been invo- yeah. involved in this show to the end. I suspect he would have come up with something. Um, but what happens is you have to take little clips that there's there's little things that have happened that have been left hanging that we've complained about over the years. And you yeah. could have taken those and put those all into, you know, some kind of, a, as you say, you know, there's just been this underlying thing and then all and and it comes into culmination here during this last the last season. And you end up with a big culmination that makes everybody sort of question things that they've seen or done in the past. And yep. I, I mean, something I that really challenges things. all of the characters is what yeah, you mean. and what and then what happens is, is then you can say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And then I'm thinking again about Babylon 5, which is you see all of these different setups, right, at the beginning. And remember that mm-hmm. first season and then even the second season. And then they all pay off. by the Everything time pays off in Babylon 5. Five, right? Yeah. Everything friggin' pays off. There isn't a loose, you know, I mean, there's all... the entire thing. I mean, the all only thing is the stuff they set up with the original captain, but even that pays off. But that pays off. It doesn't pay off the way he originally planned it to, but he managed to make it all pay off. That's, that's, yeah. And what he originally envisioned for the show is one thing, and that doesn't matter. When no. he had to make changes, he made sure that those changes paid off. Yeah. He managed to find, because he had a plan for the show, he managed to find a way to integrate it. And you can say, well, okay, well, that was a show with a planned beginning, a middle, and an end. So it's easier to like do that. Whereas Criminal Minds, they're just making it up as they go along. But the difference is, yeah, you're making up the show as you go along. That's true. You can't possibly have a 15 year plan for a show. But, and this is the part that I focus on, you. Like, the characters should be where you have the continuity and where you have the resonance and where you have it, if it's not going to be plot-related. Yeah, you want to have this, uh, the killer I'm talking about, the hypothetical thing to come back to, you want to have that in the background to pay off later, but what really matters is getting the character stuff right. And they did that a little, but, you know, the way they did it, the way they got the characters right, is very, like... Well, you you got it right at the last minute after years of getting this stuff wrong. Yeah, and all of the moral issues that we've had during the the previous things. I it, it, like there's a whole bunch of stuff. We'll be thinking more about this as we go along. Oh, absolutely. As we're thinking about it, but yeah, I mean this ending because in the end, I would say the you're talking about the showrunners and the executive producers and things like yes. that are all. I, I don't care what anyone says. They are in in a state of stress and get, trying to get this this show right now. Yeah. Um, in fact, there was something about this episode where I'm going, "Oh yeah, there's something else that they probably did." Or the last last episodes we talked about. Um, yeah. 
and I it, it flitted across my mind, and then I'm going, and I didn't write it down, which is always oh, a mistake no. or something. I was, Absolutely. and I'm thinking, yeah, they were well aware um, uh, of what a was coming. Few down. years, what was coming down. I think maybe, maybe it was when I was listening to the beginning of season eleven. There was something, and I just went, ha ha ha. I really wonder they had to have there had to have already been problems starting like you just some concern and even uh, we can even talk about bringing matt on as an attempt yeah right to kind of right the ship in terms of when they're going to have to in the future make an argument i don't think anyone could have expected the government of california to come in on this one but everything you now know sort of about cbs and the more stuff i kind of read and i'm going Oh dear. And then I, as I said, I talk, we talk sometimes we make these jokes about some of the, the production stuff. Yeah. But your, your DP, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, has a lot of control and he seems to have had a lot of control over this show. That's part of what the lawsuit says. Well, no, I mean, the nature of the director of photography is that he is like the highest ranking person who's there on every episode because directors aren't there every episode. Writers aren't there every episode and producers have to, yeah, a lot of them are on set a bunch of the time, but fundamentally their job is to oversee all of production. Like the highest ranking person who's on set every single day is the director of photography, fact, and that does give them a lot of control. Yeah, and he's almost acting like their line producer, because I can't figure out who the hell their line producer is. <laughs> wouldn't shock me. No, I mean, seriously, right? No, it Which wouldn't. Which gives him a huh. lot of control over everything. Oh, yeah. And, Absolutely. And um, that is something that I, is there, I think, in the background. Yeah. Uh, and more and more as Erica Messer is involved in her Beyond Borders, because that's starting to happen now with our season 11. Yeah. But I was thinking about some of the some of the choices that were made that we complain about. And I'm going, right. you know, it's if the DP is there all the time and he's the one who's always there. Hmm. Um. Yeah, he's got. He's a got you know more control. control than you'd think. Yeah. Yeah. And and the the bizarre part of that, he's the one who understands everything about the show. Yeah. Consistently and on the ground. Um and then, right, you have to sit there and say, Okay, there are all these other issues going on. But he yep. might have been able to come up with something because but of course he's been fired. <laughs> Right, yes. so I'm not complaining that he. No, was no, no, it's but just... uh, yeah, it's 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 weird that the guy who's been there the longest isn't there for the finale. Yeah, isn't there for the last last season and a half. Yeah, because he would have done half of that season before he got fired. I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and um, you know, so this is coming down the pipe, and it really explains some of the problems. But I don't think. It's only because we're looking at it so closely and then this came out of the blue, but we were looking at it so closely and we had things that we didn't understand, but you're looking at this and it's not a surprise that you end up with a poor story because it takes 
a really a lot of thinking and care. Uh, you have to care about the show so much to want it to end the absolute best way possible. Yeah, and I, Kirsten Vangness did a wonderful job as Garcia. Oh, yeah. Um, and her writing is, well, you know, I mean, she always writes with Erica Messer. Um, yeah. She's only done a few of those. I do not see her having the kind of imagination that would be able to have come up with something like this. And everything that I've seen about Erica Messer, I'm not sure that she would have the imagination. That takes... To end this right. Yeah, yeah that would have taken a different kind of executive producer. And No, I think um, that's true. You know, it's like Seinfeld. We may not like the end of Seinfeld. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, it, it it was what he wanted. And it was in some ways, the more I think about it years later. It's I more don't, true for, it's true to the characters. It's almost, yeah, it's, you can almost say that, yeah, he got it right for his characters. Yeah. Like, it's not a, it's just this, yeah, flat almost ending and you just go, I don't okay. know what people, but if you look at the characters, like I don't rewatch. That's not a show I rewatch. Um, I don't think anybody rewatches Seinfeld. It's kind know. of disappeared from the, cult, the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, completely. But it's, it's on, right? And then Friends. no, I'm saying it's on, but I'm just saying nobody's actually watching it. Yeah, I don't remember the end of Friends. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, get into that. But Friends has an okay ending. Yeah, it's, it's hurt probably- by the fact that um, they had to readjust all the characters because they wanted to, they. They had an off-ramp for all the characters that uh, there was a big problem with because they decided to give Joey a spin-off. Yes, And so right. it kind of borks the ending in a couple of ways. That's but right. But no one... Re- and, and the ironic part is, now no one even remembers that Joey had a spin-off. Yeah, I know. It was, it was, it was not very good. But, it was not a good show. No, and I'm thinking, okay, what, what has ended uh, well recently? Well, of course, Chuck Lorre's shows, right? Oh, yeah. Like, The Big Bang Theory had a spectacular ending. Yeah, it was a strong ending, absolutely. Absolutely, you just could go, you believe, you know, you could just walk out of that ending and just feel good. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's very hard to get a show's ending right. Everyone's pissed off at Mad Men, for example. But Breaking Bad had a good ending. Oh, yes, of course. Breaking it had Bad a had a good, good- ending. And oh, really good ending. Oh, oh, and now better call Saul. Yeah, that's going to be a great ending too. It's, like I, don't, I can't even say, but you know they're going to end this right. Well, we in have this no idea. Year. He will, he will do it somehow or another. He will manage to do it right. Oh, yeah. because he cares. And, you know, yeah, he's and cared, and it's the same people. And part of it is that it's the same people guiding the show the whole time. Justified also had a great ending. You know, because, again, you've got these people there who are there every day from the beginning till the end of the show, keeping continuity, worried about the characters. And the problem is with a show like Criminal Minds, where, I mean, it's mean to say it, but it's not completely inaccurate to say where by the end it's more a product than a show. Right. Like you don't have anyone working there who really has this kind of investment in the overarching narrative of the show. And I am sure if you asked many people who worked on the show, they would tell you it didn't have an overarching narrative. Oh, and, It's just well, a series of things that happened. Yeah, and the thing is, is that there is one of those, one of those um, commentaries that I think I talked about that, that it explained a lot that, I, and it was Erica Messer, I think it was the one with Erica and Kirsten, 
one of the right. ones because they've done more than one commentary. And Together, yeah. um, she, but yeah, no, no, this is just sort of an episodic show. Yeah. And she, that's how she envisioned it. And I do not think that that's how Bernaro envisioned it. No, it's clearly isn't. When he started this show. And I, yeah. I would still love to have an in-depth interview almost with him with Ed about Bernaro, why, yeah. he, why he got away. Somebody said he was there for seven years and I'm going, no, he wasn't. No, he was not. No, he wasn't. And he was gone for half of season five making, uh, making suspect, suspect behavior. behavior. Yeah. And. You know, there had to be a reason why he wanted to move over to suspect behavior. Yeah. Like, there's, there, this has always had to have been a very tense show. Apparently, apparently, some Thomas Gibson and Derek Moore almost got into fisticuffs at one point. Jesus. Yeah, and that would be fairly early on. Like, um, I think Thomas Gibson is probably a more volatile person than, I, I mean, that's oh, yeah. the impression you get, except you don't get stuff like that from Greg and Dharma. Dharma you don't hear stories about like that from Dharma and Greg at all, I know. Um, but this... Yeah, Chuck Lorre never had anything but great things to say about working with uh, Thomas Gibson. And Chuck Lorre is not one to keep his mouth shut. No. All you have to do is read the cards at the end of the <laughs> read the cards at the end of the show. Yeah. There's plenty of crap about Charlie Sheen in there. <laughs> he ain't shy. No. Plenty of stuff about Sybil Se- Sybil Shepherd too. You know, I mean, he just lays it out. And um, but yeah, I think that that is probably because the in-depth thing that we're going to do is not this. This is no, of course not. what we're this talking, is just us talking about. about our emotional reaction yeah, to the last it, two episodes. Yeah. The last two episodes. And I just went, I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, you, you just kind of go, it was the second time around. The first time was slightly different. And I can remember, I think we talked more about, and I'm going to have to listen to it again, more about, you know, how satisfying it had to be for, for all of the fans and this, that oh, yeah. thing, because it gives them all this, that. But the second time around, um, I'm just going, this does not land. Not nope. the second time around. And it is, well, and I am sure that that's because, in part, because of the lawsuit. That, yeah. that it doesn't land the same way. Um, once you know and all once of this you stuff. Start, and then I've started sort of reading some of these things and there are people who like to be on borders of all things and there are people, how um i have no idea um how can you have liked beyond borders i have no idea i have no idea um you'll you, you, you'll run across i know i'll read them i'll read them I, but, i'm not i'm not you know such a monster in my hatred of beyond borders that i'm not going to read people's opinions about it i'm not, not going to yeah, keep no, a blinkered no. worldview yeah, well, it's not even that. It's just like, I think what it is that if you could get over, which we couldn't, yeah. the inherent racism and, and American exceptionalism. Uh, exceptionalism that is at the yeah. foundation of that show. And we never got over that. If, no, I mean, if, it is it is Donald Trump, the TV show. Yeah, it is Donald Trump, the TV show. And if you if that doesn't bother you, like if that doesn't sort of get to you, if you don't, if you don't see that as an obscenity the way we did. Yeah. Then, well, then, yeah, you know, it, the show, I mean, the show. there was nothing wrong with the acting. 
course not. But there's never anything wrong with the acting. They no, only hire professionals on, for this yeah. show. And even on this show, right? You, yeah. You, how, how often did we ever ex- complain? Oh, the only yeah, time. Like, I just bitched for 20 minutes that it was C. Thomas Howell in the last episode. But you know what? He does a great job. He does a wonderful job. He's fantastic. The only He always time. does in this part. The only time yeah. I would think in this the entire run of this show that we complained about an actress and it was an actress was yeah. the episode that took place in Roswell, New Mexico. Oh, she was False te- play. John- Oh god, she's terrible. But I'm sorry Zelda uh, Zelda Williams, you were not good in this episode that episode. Yeah, except that I still go back and blame it on the writing. She had yeah. nothing to work with. No, her character made zero sense. She had uh, like, nothing to work with. There was no way. And I am sure that the director told her to, to you know, to, to move in this this or that direction. And she, and it was just nothing to work with. What is she going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? You're in a show. You're getting paid. Here's the lines. Um, you're going to make the best of it you can. But there was yep. nothing for her to work with at all. No, you're right. It's hard to blame her. But, I mean... Because that character is the center of the show, yeah. you know, you need something. And it's when it's that badly written, I guess she couldn't overcome it. No, uh, what, was the, what was the other example of that I was thinking? Of? Oh, yeah. Um, and I was just thinking about even I, I have so much respect for Aisha Tyler as a performer. Yeah. Because her character, oh, right? And shit. just to talk about acting, her character is completely forgotten about by this season. This season, there is nothing, nothing for her. Nothing. To, like, it's this weird situation where you're like, is she in all the episodes? And you check, and you're like, yeah, she's in all the episodes. But it's like, try to think of one thing she said or one thing she did in these 10 episodes. And as we were talking about the first time we watched this, it's like everybody gets a character off ramp. Except well, not, not, but her. Except for Aisha Tyler, about whom, like, we have no idea where she is, where she feels like she's going. We, we've got nothing from her. You know what? Matt's writing books. Uh, Garcia's going off to do her job. Eric and Garcia might be uh, romantically involved. David has, like, accepted that he's never going to get free of his obsession with doing this. Reed is finally taking the first steps to escaping this horrible nightmare he lives in. Yeah. You know, like, every single character. I mean, um... Emily should probably be fired for screwing up that badly, but she's not going to be because there are no consequences in the world of criminal minds. But, you know, she's got a boyfriend and she's kidding herself if the long distance thing, she thinks the long distance thing is going to work. But then again, she's putting money into buying land. So so who knows? That may actually force her into going. Taking this relationship seriously and going out there. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, there's, but for Aisha, and that goes, it's, it's very strange because I've just been listening yeah. to season, the season 11, because I'm right, right now. Yeah, of course. Our, our comments on season 11 and Aisha Taylor again. Yeah. Right. Because, and she is key. And to I that. think, I think what happened and it's true, it's even stronger now that they had a character arc for her. That was, um, as you call her, this sociopath. And yeah. you do explain all of that stuff. That doesn't mean she's a serial killer, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I mean, we've... Benign sociopathy. Yeah. It exists. Yeah. It doesn't and exist much, but it exists. Okay. And so we're looking at that 
episode, and we talked about it again later, um, as all of our listeners will hear over the next couple yes. of years, you know, the next... The next eight months. Eight months, right? They'll hear us talk about it. But I was looking, I was thinking about that in terms of the end, this yeah. season. And I think that, that you were right, that they had an arc for her. They didn't expect to keep her. Mm-hmm. And then... What happened was once she became a generic profiler, they didn't know what to do with her. And they did a few things sort of in the beginning. And they had the odd episode, like this episode, the episode with her ex-husband, for example, yep. um, those sorts of things. But but in the That's end, really her only centerpiece episode. Yeah. And I mean, but it, after that first season. Yeah. And she's they never, ever have her. You know, they don't know what to do with her. They don't no. want to let her go because nope. after all, she she fills in their um, African-American quota. Yep. Okay. Derek's gone. So they yeah. and after they kill off Stephen, they can't very well get rid of her. Yeah. They've got to have that talking about a diversity, diversity of staff. Yep. Um, Which the show has always been good for. Yeah. And reasonably, but they don't know what to do no. rather than the setup they just kind of fit her in generically mm-hmm. uh, and they have to have this balance of men and women yep on the on the on the show so it 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 is it is strange but i do think that you were right way back when we were talking about season 11 that they didn't know what to do with her as we're yep. as after they, were, they gave away that after they threw away that first obvious storyline to do with the character about well what's it like when you are a person who does not have with an empathy disorder who has so who is sociopathic but has no you know comorbid violent tendencies yeah right right like what is that what do you do how do you live yeah how do you live and and it never gets pushed ever again i think they try a few times but i mean you had that fascinating thing when she breaks up with her with her her fiance, her fiance and fiance. then is sitting talking with the serial killer you know and instead. he's you know instead yeah. and he says oh so you did this for me and she says no i did it for for me well why aren't we following up every now and then with the odd serial killer because that's what happened I mean, even mm-hmm. with Elle in the train episode, right? She's going yep. down because... Well, that's supposed to be part of their job. And that's supposed to be part of their job. And why they couldn't have managed to fit that in as as a character development for her. But by the time you're getting to season 11, nobody cares about character development anymore. Nope. There's there's no... There's no... I'm sorry, but the showrunner has no vision for the show even over a season, much less... Yeah. The whole the show. multi-season arc, yeah. There's no, there's no idea, um, and all of the other characters that we can see. So David Rossi, Garcia, yep. and the ones that have the best end arcs, and of course JJ and Reed have been mm-hmm. there from the beginning. So it yeah. was all established when Ed Bernard, their characters were essentially st- established. And structured by Ed Bernaro. Yeah. Okay. And so there was a place for people to go with them. Although they did bizarre things with JJ. Oh, did they ever. You know. Um, hey, remember when JJ murdered that guy? And then it never came up again? You know, all these. Remember things. that? Yeah. 
and remember remember her her unique form of PTSD. Um, oh, you know, I mean, there are things that that made us go say what aren't they remembering? Yeah. But essentially, the structure of those characters were set just like they were with Hotch. Yeah. And I, I would still say, and I have read some more stuff about sort of his firing um, and yeah. exactly sort of what was going on. And when I start, now that I have watched the whole show and now that I've listened to some more of these commentaries, right, and yeah. I'm sitting there going, ah, oh, you can see what's happening here. And you can, and um, yeah, it, it's just, it's, yeah, I the show lacks lacked that overarching idea and as i said even if you'd had an overarching yearly sort of structure and then your characters yeah. fit into but no it was a rudderless ship and mm-hmm. it takes a while for sometimes rudderless ships can sometimes yeah. if they're on the ocean and they're still doing well you know, and there's no, <laughs> no they, they go. I mean, yeah, it's like they don't hit that iceberg or that port city for a while. Yeah. It's uh, the wide open ocean. You might not even notice it doesn't have no a rudder storm. until it starts. Yeah. yeah there's no unless, storm until a storm turns up. Right. The iceberg starts floating towards you and you can't get away or the storm comes. Right. Oh, yeah. I just watched the Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> it's a wonderful movie. Such a fun movie. <laughs> We'll talk about that on our one of our Sunday. Yeah, shows. one of our Sunday shows. <laughs> you know, was, People have already heard of us talking about the uh, Poseidon Adventure theoretically. Yeah, theoretically, right? But anyway, how this but stuff I think, works. Yeah, I, I think mean, you're right. No, I I really do. I think you're right that it's like without that guiding hand, you yeah. know, without this person who knows exactly what the show is, and honestly, who has a goal they want to get to, right? Yeah. Like, who has a goal in mind, if not for the specific plot, right? Mm-hmm. For the characters. Like, okay. It, it's it's about whether the show has an overarching theme or message or character stuff at all. And the show obviously doesn't. Yeah. That's why, like, the when we start talking about what is Criminal Minds, what is it about? Mostly we're going to be talking about the themes. You look at, what do you call it? Um... You look at something like Hannibal, right? Where they were kind of making it up as they went along because they never knew what they were going to be able to get the rights to, right? Yeah. It's like there there was always going to be issues of being able to do Red Dragon or be able to do Silence of the Lambs. And so they, they constantly had to juggle. But if they understood that the, the core of this show, it's about, well, we've got this relationship between these two men, mm-hmm. right? And as long as we always keep our eyes on that relationship, right, and how much Hannibal loves Will Graham, as long as we keep focused on that, everything else works. Uh-huh. It, because that is our, I mean, to continue your nautical metaphor, yeah. you know, that's our North Star. Yeah. And as long as we keep the boat, like if we, as long as we keep the North Star right off the port bow, we're going to get there eventually. And, and that's what this show doesn't have. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't have it. And Hannibal ended in the only way it could. Oh, beautiful ending to Hannibal. Yeah. You still might get a fourth season, you never know, but it had a beautiful ending. Yeah. But yeah, that was the only way Hannibal could have ended. Whereas this show, like, because it never, never cared that much about the characters, because it never even cared that much about the world as it should have, 
you never had this thing. Well, okay, no matter how wonky a season might get, we can pull ourselves back if we just remember X. Yeah. They never had that. No, in fact, as I've been starting to put together things for our overall theme show, yeah. uh, and what does does it mean which, overall? Which, which, by the way, is a monumental amount of work for us, but the people listening to this are just going to get to listen to it next week. <laughs> to them, it's going to seem effortless. For us, we're talking about weeks or months of work to put that together. Uh, the What Criminal Minds Means episode. Yeah, well, and but it is that over, and this is why the first few seasons work. Yeah. Um, it's not that it's, it, and it's not because just of the, it's not just of the episodes. We, I mean, we did, we're not necessarily a big fan of the, of the um, Merlin and we haven't, and that's, oh, now, isn't that strange? Because we used to always talk about, about Kirsten being Merlin, right? Yeah. You know, and the business of the knights and the rest of it. And Bernero talks about that in the very All first. All the time. The very first yeah. ep, uh, commentary he does, right? Yep. But And I'm not exactly sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it still had that, right? It could do these episodes and these after episodes. And um, there was still a continuity, and I still look back when you look at at episodes that had serious, you know, the Frank the Frank episodes. episodes. The two yeah. Frank episodes were worked. I know Jason didn't didn't like all the killing and all the rest of it, but he still put in great performances. He did always. Uh, yeah, and then he decided it was killing his soul, so he couldn't do it anymore. Um, <laughs> I, I can sort of understand. And then they brought in, I mean, maybe that's when, who knows, when, when Bernaro stop, stopped, you know, doing as much. But the Tim Curry episodes. Yeah. So that was, what, season four or five? Five, I think. Yeah, you know, it's they still worked. There was still that consistency, but... um Slowly but surely, some of the things that we complain about, had it had a clear, um, I think that control, when control was moved over, the control was moved over to a new showrunner, it became an absolute almost control, and the new showrunner just saw this as an episodic thing and not as a, as, as an arc of people. And yeah. You know, coming up, comes up with this stupid, because you never heard family, 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 family. We're a family. We're a family. Well, we're yeah, a Yeah, that was not such a big part of the show in the first half. In the first five seasons, you never no. heard that. You never heard that on, on suspect behavior. Well, yeah, we take care of one another. But this whole idea of the team as surrogate family was a creation of later criminal minds. Of later criminal minds, I think. Well, I mean, I think it goes back to it's like they all used to have lives. Yeah. You know? And now they really did. They don't have They just lives. have each other. Yeah. And they don't have lives anymore. They just have each other. And it's interesting because you think about that first season ender where it's like where they all are going on vacation. They all have different plans. They're not just planning to hang out. Mm-hmm. They're all gonna go do their own thing. And it's And uh, now it's, all they do is get drunk together. Yeah, I know. No, seriously. No, I agree with you. Like, I'm all not disagreeing. 
all they ever they do just now. They get drunk together. They get yeah. drunk together. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you're not wrong. Like you're you're absolutely right about this. And they it's hang kind out. Of strange. The girls get together and get drunk. Like I, what? Well, one of all these the episodes time. wasn't one of these episodes. Oh, you know, no, it's start of this episode. At the of the last episode that happens in the start of the last episode. Yeah, you know that's what these girls do. You know that Garcia is the center of this, and she makes sure everybody goes out and gets drunk all the time. Yeah, I know. She's constantly putting together her, and so in the last episode, she makes tea. Yes, I guess because it was morning. Well, no, yeah, because it'll help you with your hangover because you got super drunk last night. To celebrate, you know, those six agents that got killed. Jesus Christ, these so... Yeah. I'm not saying they're all psychopaths, but Jesus Christ, six agents died last night. And you're like, let's all get drunk and have a party! Yeah, that's um, exactly What? Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> Is, I think, the sane response to that, but these aren't great people. No, and that's, that's exactly it. They They... You know, this whole business of family that we constantly are making. Yeah. And there were some people who had lives like yeah. Kate had lives, yeah. you know, and people Kate had a life and people don't like Blake, but she had yeah. a life. Yep. And I think I think one of the, the best things to note that about how little these people have lives, they're like, what is, uh, is that they can say so little about Spencer Reed as a person when he's talking to the ghost of hallucination of Maeve. Yeah. He's like, Who, what do you like? It's like magic and ghost stories. And I'm like, Spencer Reed doesn't like ghost stories. Matt Gubler likes ghost stories. Yeah. <laughs> Literally the only non-job thing you can say about Spencer Reed is that he loves close-up magic. Yeah. The and whole he does. show. The whole show. That has been a consistent thing through the whole show. Spencer Reed loves close-up magic. It's one of the things we find endearing about him. But, like, the fact that they were only able to come up with a single thing that Spencer Reed actually likes is troubling. Yeah, and he likes teaching. Well, of course. Now. Yeah, but, uh... He's not uh, he good at it, but... He's not... He doesn't seem like a great teacher, but, no. you know. But he will he grow enjoy. into that. Once he gets Hopefully. away from the team... And That's stops true. worrying about what the team thinks and starts right. bringing in his magic into his, you know, yes. because teaching, even at a university level, is still performance art. Oh, that's of course. And yeah. the better you are at performance art, the better you are as a teacher. They may hate exactly. you. It's They might hate you, but if you, it, I mean, <laughs> the entire job of a teacher is to grab and hold your audience's <laughs> attention. Yeah. That's and the teachers who think they know they should just pay attention because they're here to learn and I'm here to teach. And that's the relationship. Well, they don't end up being very good teachers. They may be there forever and they may get they may <laughs> their public. They may get their publications and everything else. But they're as not good at their teachers, job. as no. teachers, as performance art, which is what yeah. it is. Um, oh, absolutely. It, yeah. I mean, we never. Our university system is kind of set up weirdly. And, yeah, um, it is. You know, and... <laughs> but I think that's an important thing to be... Wor that is worth remembering. That it's like... It is this whole other world. And he's not a great actor. But uh, obviously we're talking about Spencer Reed here. Not Matt Goobler. Uh, But he will get there. Mm -hmm. And I think... I think that's... 
what the big thing we can come away with from the show is at least we can remain optimistic about the future of Spencer Reed. Yeah. I really think we can. Yeah. And that's, we can say that things are going to go okay for Spencer Reed. At least I hope they will. Yeah. It is my fondest hope that, yeah, things go okay for Spencer Reed. Oh man. So we should probably wrap it up here. Yep. Uh, we're obviously going to have a lot more to say about Criminal Minds next week, uh, because quite clearly there is a lot about this show that we are still figuring out. Mm. I mean, that's been the point of this whole, you know, podcast endeavor has been to figure out what Criminal Minds is and why we watch it. And, and you can say, well, you know, you've said why you watch it because of your project to talk about how profiling doesn't work to the point you can't even write fiction about it working and that's true but that's only why i started watching criminal minds it's not why i like we discovered that there was enough here to be worth devoting x amount of time to yeah and i figuring out yeah and i think that that the real question is um and and i think one of the questions for us is we did make a commitment and people who only pick up on the you know, start, don't go back to the beginning um, yeah. and just listen to us. We'll think, okay, you're only doing this because you committed to do this. I've said this many times. And that's probably over the last few years of the show, yeah. the last couple of years of the show. That was probably true. There are places, and I've said it. and Where it's been a slog. Said, where it's not only been a slog, whereas if I hadn't been doing the podcast, I would not have watched. Continued watching the show. I wouldn't yeah. have continued watching the show because it's just too much of a slog. And because yeah. there were things that were just too disgusting. I mean, even even Dive Mistress DM finally, I mean, she, she, she finally watching. gave it up with False Flag. That was the one that she finally just said, enough, no, I can't do it's this too stupid. anymore. And there are places yeah. where... Um, I probably just would have written it off and just yes. said, oh, who cares? But <laughs> uh, we committed to doing the podcast right to the end. And thank God it ended at 15 or we'd still be doing it. <laughs> I know. We'd be back next year if it hadn't ended at, six, uh, at 15. 15. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. And I, yes. And we've already discussed that this was not, it, it, it wasn't, a stellar way there are some really good things that hold second time around but the oh, last yeah. episode doesn't the last two episodes just it's don't just not good the first time you watch something is one thing but the second time you just sort of sit there well because and- as and i think what you said is right like the first time we watch it you get wrapped up in the fact that you know this show that's been on forever that you know it, it ran like do you know how few shows actually run 15 years yeah It's insane how successful this show was. Yeah. It's crazy. But, you know, now, so there were, for us, a lot of emotions wrapped up in the show actually being over after all that time. Yeah. But now we can look at it more precisely. We can look at it with a weather eye and say to ourselves, okay, well, honestly, no, they didn't end it in a good way. And honestly, no, like they could have done much better by the characters and by the plot. And seriously, what did they not even think of phoning James Vanderbeek? What happened yeah. there? Yeah, that's funny because that should have been your even more yeah. than Jason, even more than Gideon showing up. Yeah, than Gideon. James Vanderbeek showing up 
would have made perfect sense. Yeah. It would have been so satisfying and it would have been a perfect capper for Reed to be able to say that if he can say goodbye in the same way that Hotch got to with the Reaper in the episode there, Aping yeah. here, say goodbye to that part of his life. Yeah, that would have been... That would have been powerful. Very powerful. That actually, yeah. and I didn't even think of that at all. But yes, because that is still when when you look at people have lists of the 10 best and blah, blah, blah. It's always on there. It's always on there. The James Vanderbeek episodes, sometimes yep. just the second one, sometimes both of them. Um, sometimes you know, the first one, people like that better. But um, yeah. but no, it's it's integral to his development. And I got to say, it, worst case scenario, get Don Swayze in there. Yeah. You know, if you can't get Vanderbeek, you can definitely get Don Swayze. Yeah. You know, like because he would uh, it would be Don Swayze because it'd be like the guy who created like because uh, let's face it, the the guy who did the most victimizing of uh, Reed yeah. is the is the Don Swayze persona. Yeah. So yeah. Get it would have been fine. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it would have been a bit of a stretch, like how when they did the JJ episode, they couldn't get Hilo back. So suddenly they made it so her real relationship was with the tor the random torturer yeah. who worked for Hilo. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, you just couldn't get the actor you wanted back. Yeah. But like um, having it be Don Swayze would have worked. It wouldn't have worked as well as it had been James Vanderbeek, obviously, but it still would have landed. Yeah. Even if they had only been able to get Don Swayze. But no, like, C. Thomas Howell was the wrong choice. Yeah. It was just the wrong choice. And it hurts the last And maybe episode. nobody even thought, well, because <laughs> basically, who was there from the beginning? Nobody was there in the, in the writing room. Yeah, God, yeah. Except for Erica Messer, and God only knows that. Oof, hadn't thought about that, but yeah, what if nobody remembers... What well, if nobody yeah, remembers but, uh, but the most important character and the most important... Yeah. That, that was... I would assume the driving force, the driving force for that would have come from Bernero still. No, absolutely. So I'm sure that's true. Oh yeah. Cause it's very early on and he's still invested, really invested in the show. So there you go. All right. So yeah, uh, <laughs> we're going to be back next week. Uh, as like I said, who knows who, when we're going to record it, but we're going to be back next week. With our attempt to noodle through what Criminal Minds is, what it means, what it is saying to its audience. It's going to be a fun show. I, I really predict it's going to be a fun show and we're going to have fun doing it, but it's just going to be emotionally wrenching to get us there. An intellectual, <laughs> you know, unwinding the intellectual Gordian knot that is Criminal Minds. So. Should be a ton of fun. Yep. Uh, but of course, right after that, uh, you're going to be listening to the show. If you decide to stick around, which of course we would appreciate, you're going to be checking in for the show that Criminal Profiling Criminal Minds becomes, which is Style Section, The Wise Guy Podcast. <laughs> uh, we have been talking a lot about Style Section, The Wise Guy Podcast these past couple of uh, weeks. And there's a good reason for that. Wise Guy's the best TV show ever made, and no one is doing a podcast about it for some reason. So we thought it is beholden upon us to use what marginal platform we have 
to share Wise Guy with the world. And so that's what we're going to start doing. It's I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Just FYI, um, we're I'm just going to do a trigger warning in advance. And there's going to be more trigger warnings as we get closer and closer to it. Here's a bit of bad news. We're going to spend like four episodes of style section talking about what an amazing actor Kevin Spacey is. <laughs> there's no way around it. It's one of the great TV performances of all time. <laughs> and I hate that we have to, because we all feel about Kevin Spacey the way you probably feel about Kevin Spacey. But we're not going to let that interfere with what an incredible job he, job he does on Wise Guy. So just FYI, trigger warning, Kevin Spacey's going to be talked about in a surprisingly complimentary fashion for a couple of weeks. Well, we already did that with... Um... We already did that when we talked about Unsub and what an amazing performance he put in on that one episode of Unsub as the twins. Yeah. Oh my God, that yeah. episode. Yeah. He's an incredible actor. Always has been. Terrible human being. Incredible actor. Yeah, All right. Well, he just follows in a long line of... <laughs> I mean, yes. come on. He's I'm, in good company. He's in good company, Marlon Brando. Oh my God, yeah. Oof. Uh, let, a trash person. Yeah. And even, even our favorite... Perry Mason, Raymond Burr. <laughs> yep. He had his own stuff. Yeah. I, it's, you know, I mean, it's a long line. Well, we can talk about that when we do the Kevin Spacey section. Oh, yeah. We're, doing Kevin Spacey to, we're talking about, you know, it's like, well, to what, uh, to what degree do we separate the art from the artist? And what do you do when it's like 99% of the people who worked on this show aren't sexual predators? And do we judge every single person? Like, do we throw out every single person's work because one guy, unbeknownst to them, was a sexual predator? That's a conversation we're going to have. Well, yeah, because you, well, and you can't avoid it. I mean, it, the thing no. is, is that this is not something that would have come up 10 years ago. No. The question no, no, then, no, 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 no. The, well, the question 20 years ago was, is Kevin Spacey gay? I know. That, that was the question, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. But, uh, uh, it, yeah, it turns strange. out we had bigger stuff to worry about, Hollywood. Well, no, I, well, I mean, Hollywood, as I always say, I mean, th this whole business is full of predators. Yeah. It, 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 it just is. It's the nature of the business. It's what it attracts. It attracts people who are ripe to become victims. What are you going to say? And so, uh, how do we put this? Um, to use a probably not offensive analogy, if you're looking for gazelles, you go to the watering hole, if you're a lion. If you're a sexual predator, you go to a place where people with, you know, no support system are willing to do anything to get ahead. Even once with support systems. Even sometimes with support systems. Anyway, I suspect we'll be talking a lot more about that. You'd be surprised at how we'll still be talking about some of the things <laughs> that on and off were in criminal minds as we do stuff. Oh, yeah. I don't know how we're going to handle that exactly, but never mind. It'll be it'll be fun. Uh, so if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you've ha got any fiction you'd like us to check out... Uh, we're looking for suggestions because we're out of episodes of Criminal Minds. <laughs> oh, we have to do the Prodigal Son. Oh, well, yeah, of course we're doing Prodigal Son. That's that's just a gimme. 
uh, that's we were waiting till the end of this to do that, but now we're going to start doing that. It's going to be a blast. Um, so yeah, but other fiction you'd like us to check out, please uh, let us know. You can drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you. If you were listening to this on some sort of an app or podcatcher, please rate and review the show. That is how people find it. And if you're enjoying it, maybe other people will too. Who can say? Uh, we'll see you back here next week for our attempt to figure out what Criminal Minds is. But until then, I'm going to say au revoir. And have a good weekend. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks podcasting network.